end of the world. The end of the world. This news just in. Go, go, go. We are your news now. Providing the play-by-play for the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right on, right on, right on. Live right. Live right. In the real world. Right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. Get the news. You're listening to Right On Radio. Welcome to Right On Radio Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. And yes, today is the day we finally start one of the Gospels. And we are starting with Matthew today. And all of the Gospels are special, obviously. But Matthew really focuses on the teachings of Jesus and really has more exhortations and, uh, you know, just Jesus's teachings in completion. It's important to note that this book is not in chronological order per se, although it starts off with conception and things of the like. And this book could easily take us a year to study. Now, I have no intention of rushing through the book of Matthew. However, instead of studying every single little thing in it, I want to focus on major precepts and master principles of it. And there's a lot of that alone. And God willing will be able to, well, listen, I dedicate my life to doing this. You know, I want to, uh, to be going through the Bible and sharing it with as many people as I can, uh, in the time that we have left and who knows how many years that may be. Well, I want to thank you all for being here and this is going to be a good one, folks. I, I, just know you're going to thoroughly enjoy this. And even though this chapter starts off with a genealogy, and if you're anything like me in the past, I would tend to just go by the genealogy real quick, but God puts it in there for a reason. And although I'm not going to study every name in this, I'm going to stick to the basic premise of how we do the Bible studies. I really think the Lord gave me some wisdom when I asked him this morning about this genealogy. And you can let me know what you think. I'm just going to pray first, and then I'm going to give you a little bit of a challenge. So I'm going to play a song just to maybe open you up and uh, get you to worship in the spirit before we continue on with this. So Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to be gathered together with your saints. Lord, even if it's virtually, Lord, you've knitted our hearts together. And Lord, our hearts are all towards you. Father God, as we study this book of Matthew, we thank you for the person that Matthew was, and we thank you that you chose him. We thank you for his dedication to accuracy in recording the life of God on earth and the great teacher. Lord, because you did come to this earth and you gave instruction. You came for many, many reasons, Lord, but instruction was one of them and obviously redemption being the main thing. Lord, I pray that you send the Holy Spirit into me and to show the meaning of God's word, Lord, to get the proper interpretation, to guard my words, Lord, that I would not lead anyone astray. And Lord, I pray that you minister to each one individually what they need to hear from this chapter so that your body may be edified, our faith may be increased, 
And Lord, the message of your gospel will go further and further across the earth. As always, Holy Spirit, I give you permission to speak through me. Override, Lord. I hand my life to you. In Jesus' name, I pray. You know, as I've been reading the word more and more in these last couple years, it's no secret that my heart is getting softer and softer. And that's a byproduct of the word of God. And what you're going to find in this chapter is an example of a man and, and a godly man. And it's okay for a godly man to feel pain, to feel compassion, to feel sorrow. I don't consider it weakness. I consider it strength. It's my, it's even a greater strength than I've ever had before. And I pray for each one of you, man or woman, that your hearts become softer and more compassionate because Jesus was passion. And I say that because, you know, normally I would play the shofar uh, at the beginning of a book and, you know, perhaps I will next week, but because we're doing the gospel of Matthew, I really thought I would start with a song. And I'm going to put together a challenge for you right here, right now. Those of you who are listening live, those of you who listen on the replay, if you're watching the video, I challenge you and I want everyone to participate. Even if it's the replay, you got to use the comments in the replay, but use it. I'm asking you. You see, when I was listening to this song earlier, I teared up and cried like a baby, and I'm probably going to again. And I don't say that to be dramatic, but I don't know how you can watch this video and listen to these words and not tear up. So I'm going to ask you to be honest. Each one of you, every one of you, tears or no tears, let me know in the comments or in the chat, wherever you prefer. This song is called My Redeemer, and it is by, by Brian Dirksen, who is an artist that I really, really love. You've probably seen the video before, but the way it's been edited for this song, it's just, it's just unbelievable, folks. Be blessed, beloved. Listen to this. My Redeemer, Jesus, come, come redeem whose I am. Through your death, you have paid. has been exchanged for pure light. So I come with confidence into my Father's house. I believe the promise for on the cross, you purchased me, my life's no longer mine, I'm yours, my Redeemer. Thank you. 
Well, <laughs> how did you make out? All right, I, uh, I'll confess, I looked away. <laughs> um, I kept going back and looking, but the, I, I looked away knowing that I had to come on and read right after. Oh, everyone's saying that's beautiful, but no one's admitting. No one's admitting. You people are terrible. You're terrible. <laughs> oh, I couldn't look. I couldn't watch. It's actually a very beautiful thing. All right. Teresa was the honest one. And by the way, Teresa, I saw your prayer request and just uh, put it in at the end. And we're all going to pray for you here today. Um, I'm going to end this with prayer. And a lot of the people from the prayer team are here. And we're all going to pray. Uh, so if you have a prayer request at the end, don't put it in now because I won't see it. But at the end, uh, please put it in all caps, and uh, we will pray for you. Matthew chapter 1. I will read the entire thing, and then we will go back through it. I apologize in advance if I mispronounce any of the names. The record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham fathered Isaac. Isaac fathered Jacob. And Jacob fathered Judah and his brothers. Judah fathered Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez fathered Hezron. And Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadab. Aminadab fathered Nashon. And Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz by Rahab. Boaz fathered Obed by Ruth. And Obed fathered Jesse. Jesse fathered David the king. David fathered Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon fathered Rehoboam. Rehoboam fathered Abijah, and Abijah fathered Asa. 
Asa fathered Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat fathered Joram, and Joram fathered Uzziah, Uzziah fathered Jotham, Jotham fathered Ahaz, and Ahaz fathered Hezekiel, Hezekiel fathered Manasseh, Manasseh fathered Amon, and Amon fathered Josiah, Josiah fathered Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. After the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah fathered Shiltiel, and Shealtiel fathered Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel fathered Abihad, Abihad fathered Eliakim, and Eliakim fathered Azor, Azor fathered Zadok, Zadok fathered Akim, and Akim fathered Eluid, Eluid fathered Eleazar, Eleazar fathered Mathan, and Mathan fathered Jacob, Jacob fathered Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. So all the generations from Abram to David are 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, since he was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had thought this over, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet would be fulfilled. Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. So the first couple chapters of the book of Matthew are very foundational. And there's some major precepts and master principles that we need to see in this. Now, every single name mentioned is purposeful. God did not make a mistake by using any one of them. And honestly, we could probably study just this genealogy for a year. But I believe the major precepts and master principles are as follows. So first of all, if you've studied the Bible and you've read the Old Testament in particular, you will note a lot of these names, are familiar names that have been recorded in biblical history. Um, obviously, the Messiah had to be of the line of David. And 
This follows, though, after David, you have to understand, the genealogy of Jesus is recorded in Matthew here. But notice it ends with Joseph. When you look at the genealogy of Christ in the book of Luke, it follows the genealogy through Mary. And this is extremely important for you to take note of. Why is it important? Well, first of all, Joseph, which is where the genealogy ends, was not the natural father of Jesus. This was a holy conception. So if Joseph was not the natural father, why is it important to show this genealogy? Well, I'm going to get there. But essentially, the bloodlines are the same until it comes to David. And where it comes to David, the bloodline splits. One goes down the side that goes to Joseph, and the Mary side goes down to Mary, obviously. But really it starts as David. And of course we know David fathered Solomon, and it mentions by her who had been the wife of Uriah. That's famously Bathsheba. So there's an adulterer. In a, and then you know of Solomon, who, you know, all this Solomonic magic, Solomon was talking to fallen entities. There was wisdom that was given. Basically, look, this family tree is a mess. There's murderers, sinners, evil kings, good kings. Josiah, for instance, was a good king. There's prophets. It's everything in these lines. But what I want to just uh, point out to you is where is it here? I just got to scroll down. Yes, there it is. It's in verse 11. Josiah, who was a good king, fathered Jeconiah. Jeconiah was a terrible king. In fact, if you go back into Jeremiah, the prophet, there was a whole, there's a whole bunch. It's a huge story, but essentially... Jeconiah hated the word of God and would not repent. And God cursed the bloodline. God cursed it for all generations. So when it gets down to Joseph, his bloodline is filled with all of this stuff and including a curse by God. <clears throat> What's important to note about this is, you know, traditionally the line of the man is the legal entity. You know, it, the wife usually will take 
the man's name, right? It's the man's bloodline because man was given authority. It's, it's all that stuff. So Joseph is the legal side of the genealogy where Mary, as recorded in Luke, is the blood line. And I asked the Lord about this. And what came to my mind is that what is legal? Legal is representative of the law. And remember, Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill the law. But I think the master concept here is that the law cannot bring redemption. Because no matter how good you try to keep all of the laws of God, it's impossible to find your redemption through the law. Humans just are not capable of it. So the law was cut off at this point. And it's through the blood that redemption comes. Let me know if you think that's from God or not. It certainly seems to resonate in my spirit. And then one, and I didn't look into it, but the 14 generation, 14 generation, and 14 generation, I'm sure has deep meaning, but I don't think it's the major uh, or master principle of this particular uh, first chapter or first uh, book of the Bible. Verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. So betrothed in our modern day language actually means it, it, it's close to an engagement. You know, traditionally we get engaged and then you we plan a wedding and then eventually, you know, you set a date and you get married. Whenever that works best for the couple, for the family. But in these days, betrothed was like being married, except you do not consummate the marriage at that time. And to be betrothed was to enter into the contract of marriage, essentially. And it was to be for one year. And sadly, where this came from was to ensure the purity of the bride didn't matter for the dude <laughs> i'm just saying <laughs> so it seems but within a year you would know if someone had been unfaithful and was got pregnant so joseph and mary are betrothed and before they came together she was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Let 
Let me just carry on to the next verse, 19. And her husband, Joseph, you see, they're already calling themselves husband because they had already entered into the contract. Since he was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her, he planned to send her away secretly. Now just think about Joseph and think about it from a man's perspective. He obviously loves her. I think it's a safe assumption. They became betrothed to be married. And before you ask someone to get married, you should have an idea of the character of that person. You've fallen in love with them and with their little their habits and the different things in their heart. And he believed she was such a good person. And he's a righteous man. It says that here. He's a righteous man. So a righteous man is not going to marry an unrighteous woman. But it says during this time, she was found to be pregnant. Now, it doesn't give all the detail here, but when someone is pregnant, they typically will start to show. And if you, male or female, if you were engaged to someone, if you were a male and you found out you're engaged and all of a sudden your fiancé was pregnant, how would you react? Or if you're female and you found out during, during your engagement that your fiancé got someone pregnant, you would feel incredibly betrayed. You would most likely feel angry. And one of the ways in our human nature to save face is to point the finger. That unrighteous! And to be angry. And as a guy, you know, would there be the temptation? I'm going to find out who did this and I'm going to beat the crap out of this guy. Oh, yeah. That's a human reaction. But Joseph was a righteous man. And he decided in his mind that he would not react. In fact, what he offers is true love to, to break the contract in secret. Now, you needed witnesses to break the contract. So to do it with the least amount of damage being done to her reputation, not as much for him to save face because he's a righteous man. He still wanted to protect Mary. And I'm going to suggest to you right here, right now, that the Lord knew how Joseph would react. But this was a testing And you have to understand how important stewardship is to the Lord. If he is going to trust the raising of God in the flesh as a baby, because as much as God was God, 
even from the time of conception, he was God. He was a new creation, the God-man. He still needed to be fed. He needed to be protected, as you'll find out in chapter 2. He needed to have a father that would protect woman and child and who was righteous. Now, Joseph didn't commit to marrying her at this point. That wouldn't have even been an option in his mind. He was betrayed. Verse 20, but when he had thought this over, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David. It's important that he mentions son of David because, of course, Jesus was going to come from the line of David. And he's also saying, you will be his earthly father. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus. Now the Lord gave Joseph another option. And Joseph, being a righteous man, this was an even more difficult option than the ones he had before, you know, where to blame her, to shame her, or as he had decided to do it as discreetly as possible. For him to marry Mary while she was pregnant had the social implications of him being an unrighteous man. Now you have to understand, for someone to be a righteous man, if you do one thing that's unrighteous, it could tear down your entire character. It could tear down everything you've worked for all of your life. It takes one bad move. One thing, no matter how much good you've done in life, you do one thing that is significantly bad and out of character and it tarnishes you. So Joseph had assumably spent a lifetime being a righteous man of God probably being upright in his business dealings, in his dealings with people, obviously a compassionate man. He chose to take the shame on himself. Now Mary would be shunned as well, having broken the law essentially, in the eyes of people, but she did not. And as we're going to find out as we go through the scriptures, if you are accused, but you are innocent, yes, you will pay the price in this life, but your reward is great in heaven, and God will carry you through it. And how greatly are Joseph and Mary honored that 2,000 years later, 
We're thankful for them. We're thankful for their uprightness. Now, Mary obviously is a spectacular person chosen by the creator of the heavens and the earth to come through her. And Joseph took the shame on himself and he didn't have to. It's very representative of who we are called to be in Christ. How easy is it to react in the flesh to any given situation or in our emotion? But these two people, and this chapter focuses on Joseph, chose to take the shame on himself to honor the Lord. Are you willing to throw away your reputation to do what's right? Are you willing to be chastised to have family members come against you? To have the whole town, because let's face it, everyone knew everyone in these towns. Are you willing to pay that price as Joseph and Mary did? Now the child had been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus, for he will save people from his sins. Now all this took place so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet would be fulfilled. Then he quotes Isaiah. Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel. Hold on. Didn't they just say, he should be, they're going to, the angel of the Lord said to name him Jesus, but the scripture foretold that his name will be Emmanuel. Is that a contradiction in the Bible? No. Because Jesus is God with us. And that is the major precept and master principle of this chapter. God with us for the redemption of our sins. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary as his wife, but he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And he did name him Jesus. Whew. Such depth in the word of God. The Lord really has equipped us with everything we need to get through life. How many situations in your life will these precepts apply? You know, it could be as simple as we just don't want to tell our loved ones about the Lord because They're going to think our character is flawed. You're weak. You believe in that stuff. <laughs> the world will condemn you. But men, will you be a Joseph? And women, will you be a Mary? And be a living sacrifice for the word of God 
and it doesn't mean you're going to get killed. Although that's a good possibility. <laughs> but are you willing to sacrifice for the word of God? Hey, I'm going to get to uh, prayer for anyone who wants it. Uh, put it into chat now. Uh, is if you can make it short and uh, put it in all caps so that I can see it while I'm waiting for that, because I think there's about 10, 15 second delay in the broadcast. I will just say, hey, um, I don't like to do this all the time, but you know, the show, the show is supported by you. And every week, you know, my patrons, the ones who uh, support me monthly, most likely unknowingly, but credit cards expire and stuff like that. And I, I tend to lose more than I gain. <laughs> um, so if you would consider supporting the show and helping me to, uh, to keep doing this, I pray that God will bless you for it. I don't give any special favors to anyone who supports because I, I'm not your reward folks. I'm just like you. I'm just a person who loves the Lord and we do this together. But the, may the Lord be your reward. And if you'd prayerfully consider supporting, I would appreciate it. All right, let me just take a look at the chat here. Well, I'm not seeing anything in all caps yet. Hey, I just saw someone mention Brad. Brad, where you been, brother? Is Brad here? I don't see. But someone just mentioned Brad. Brad. Ah, there he is. Brad. Brother, man, it's been a long time since I've seen your name in here. Thank you for being here. Uh, Brad's a really good dude. Spoken with him on the phone a couple times. Uh, I think I've spoken with just about everyone in the chat if I haven't. Um, it's well overdue. We need to speak. All right. I do not see any prayer requests, but I know Teresa had put one in, so maybe you just aren't able to type it in again at this time, Teresa, but um, let me pull it up here. It was in prayers. Just give me a second. I really want to pray for Teresa. Teresa, you have served alongside of this ministry for years, and I'm sorry that you're going through so much stuff. Between all the travel you've had to do and taking care of everyone that you have and with your own challenges, Oh, I'm not finding it real quick. Father God, thank you for your word. <clears throat> I thank you for all the examples that we're about to discover once again, Lord, and, and perhaps in even greater depth. But Lord, you say that we will do even greater things than you did. And Lord, we are not gods, but you have given us the privilege of prayer and you have given us the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of each of our temples. And Lord, as God, you healed the sick, you resurrected the dead. Lord, you cast out demons And you trained your disciples and your apostles to do the same in the power and authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, in which we have full access, direct access. Lord, we don't need a person to come in between as we pray in your spirit, which is God. And Father, I want to lift up Teresa 
to you. Father, I know that she's having trouble with her lungs and with her breathing. Lord, I pray that you and your awesome power will touch her this day. Lord, give her rest. Lord, not being able to breathe is sure to cause anxiety. I pray against the anxiety. Lord, I pray against this illness that is plaguing her. And Lord, I pray for all those situations around her in which she is diligently served. And Lord, at capacity, she has served those who you put. She has stewarded, Lord. But Lord, she is capable of so much more. And perhaps, Lord, and I pray that you've allowed her to go through this even so that this time, for this time, Lord, would be a testimony of the power of prayer to the Lord Most High. Lord, not to edify myself or anyone who is praying alongside here, but Lord, that you will get the full glory in this public prayer for the power of your spirit to move on her and to heal her. Lord, we believe that you are capable. And Lord, we don't know of your timing, but Lord, we ask that your time is now. We plead the blood of Christ over Teresa and over her family. And we pray healing in Jesus' name. And Lord, I would be remiss if I did not mention the family that Kimberly brought up yesterday in our prayer. Lord, we don't know by direct connection this family. But Lord, what they have been through is horrific in the human experience. And I say just for those who were not on the prayer call, Lord, Lord, I think this couple was a church-going couple or has a relationship with you. I think. Lord, you have not given me understanding in that. But Lord, this couple gave birth to a child. And a month after delivery, Lord, you took this child home. And whether they understand that the child is with you or not, Lord, I do not know. But Lord, losing a child is the worst pain, I think, that any one can experience. It's a hurt that cuts so deep from the inside. And Father God, you know this feeling and you've demonstrated it in your word because you sent your son and you watched your son who was tortured and killed. Lord, and at that point you were separated. Father God, you know the pain greater than anyone. And Father, not only did this family lose their baby, but on the way home from the hospital, they had car trouble. And he got out of the car, as I understand, to find out what was going on and was hit by another car. And now he has lost his legs. Father, I don't know how much a family can deal with, but I know your word says 
that no one is given a test that they cannot overcome. Lord, to overcome this, I would say it's impossible without the Holy Spirit, unless someone is just evil, and I don't get the impression at any bit that these people are evil. Lord, so in my mind, in my understanding, the only way for them to overcome is through an intimate relationship with you, Lord. And Lord, we could probably send them money. We could send them cards. We could send them words to edify, and perhaps we will, Lord. But the only healing could only come from you. So Lord, I pray you touch this family and all that are around them who are suffering with them. Lord, make it miraculous. Lord, if this man can one day be in front of a congregation and praise the Lord for this situation, surely the world will know that your hand was upon him and them. So, Lord, that is my prayer today, that you will bring them through to that kind of powerful healing where they will give public proclamation to the goodness of God in this horrific situation. Let it be so in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Um, I also want to note that there was, uh, in our prayer channel, I noticed we had been praying for Glenn, um, who Wendy had asked to bring up. And uh, Glenn has been released from the hospital, so I think it's uh, not an assumption, but God has heard our prayers, and he has honored Glenn in them. Oh, I have to look at last week. There was a comment in uh, Facebook that I missed. and I, Oh, it was Sean, actually. Sean, I, I, I don't have your comment in front of me, but I uh, he had a beautiful testimony. He actually had a lot of really good things that uh, he wrote on Facebook. And there, the way Facebook records, if you want to see them, you can just go to the Facebook stream from last week and you can read his comments. So, Sean, thank you for being here on Facebook as well. And uh, I appreciate everyone here live in the chat. And God bless each and every one of you that uh, just hears this replay. And if you stuck around through the prayer, which I know most of you would not, the ones that did, well, I have a few words for you. And it's really simple. Be blessed, be loved, be the Berean, and as Jesus called you in faith, just believe.